I want to move on to a topic that I, I think is on a lot of our minds. And, and that topic is this, to vaccinate or, or not to vaccinate. You know, it's just interesting. It's, these, are the, these are the kind of things that, uh, quite frankly, we can't even escape this conversation right now in our society if you wanted to. You go to work, people want to talk about it. You come to church, people want to talk about it. You go to a family gathering, they want to talk about it. You're with your friend group, they want to talk about it. It is on and on and on ad nauseum to the point where I even told my wife this past week, I just don't want to talk about this in our house anymore because I'm forced to talk about it everywhere else. And I'm just overwhelmed with information, overloaded with information. I don't know if you feel the same way I do, but I, the reason I wanted to talk about it this morning is, is partly because we're coming out of Ephesians last week. We were in chapter three. And if you remember that very last phrase there, it was, it was endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. Remember that phrase right there in Ephesians 4.3? It's, it's not endeavoring to create or to make unity. It's, it's a unity that we possess because we've been placed in Christ by the Spirit of God, and we are endeavoring to keep that so that we experience it practical, practically. Unity in a very practical way because we are unified. Not because we're trying to become unified. We are unified in God's sight. And one of my biggest concerns as a pastor is seeing how things divide the church of Jesus Christ. And I know many of you, and I think our, our heart here would be like, man, that, nothing, that won't divide us. We're, we're pretty like-minded. We're, we're going the same direction at the gospel. And, you know, take heed where we stand, lest we fall. This is exactly the types of things that come into church congregations and divide them. And here's what's, cra- here's what's crazy. The things that typically divide churches are not even doctrinal. You, you, you know, the, the, the criticism throughout history is like, oh, you, you know, you try to be so doctrinal. You're so wooden headed literal that you're going to cause divisions over doctrine. Doctrine does cause divisions. By the way, those kind of divisions are biblical sometimes. That's okay. But I tell you what, I see more and more stories after stories. It is non-essential things that aren't even contained in the word of God that churches are dividing over. And that is the exact opposite of endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. The, the spirit. And you know, that's one of the things this morning as we talk about non-essentials. I am talking specifically, when I use that word, and I'll define it a couple more times so that we're all clear, non-essential, something that the word of God does not directly address. Like your clothing this morning. You can't turn to a verse and show me where it tells you what type of clothing to wear. Now, you've got principles that are designed to guide the clothing you choose. Modesty, right, should rule the day. But exactly the, the reason you wore a green shirt today you did not find that in the Bible. <laughs> it's a non-essential. Now, I, your green shirt may offend me, and it doesn't actually, but it doesn't matter if your green shirt offends me. It's not a scriptural hill we're going to die on because it's a non-essential. There's many others. But you know, some, just some introductory comments as we get into the passage this morning as it relates to COVID. Unfortunately, in the area of COVID-19, we can't turn to a passage of scripture that clearly details the believer's response. We can't turn to a passage. We can't turn to 
Second Hezekiah 3.16 and read, thus says the Lord, you shall not take any kind of man-made vaccinations, specifically one called COVID-19. You just can't find that in Second Hezekiah. You can't even find Second Hezekiah. You know, the other thing you can't, t- as it relates to COVID, you, even in First Hesitations 2.11, You can't find this verse. Thou shalt not wear any coverings over your face to prevent disease. Trust the Lord. You know, it's it's funny, but but in talking to some believers, I feel like they think that's in their Bible. Both of those verses. Or the opposite, wherever you stand. That it's actually in the Bible somewhere. Maybe it's in second hesitations. I don't know. But you know, conceptually, and here's here's the overarching thing. If believers indwelt by the Spirit of God, are walking by means of the Spirit of God, we should at least agree on a couple things. Scripture, ministry, and purpose for existence, for the church. We should, those should be things that, that the Scripture, the Word of God, should, should guide us and lead us in the same direction. Those are very clear. Those are very clear things. The difficulty becomes, what about when the Scriptures are silent on a specific issue that is, that is in our culture, that is in our society. The scriptures are just silent. We, you know, it, it, God didn't design the scripture to solve every one of your problems. Like you go down to the Nissan dealership, Lord, what car am I gonna buy? Well, let me open up to first hesitations. Oh, I'm supposed to get this car and it's gonna have this amount of mileage. Those are the kind of things oftentimes, what school am I gonna go to? What career am I gonna choose? Where am I going to live? What house do I buy, right? These are the things we literally wish. I mean, we wish the Lord would say something about that clearly, but he doesn't. And so what he does oftentimes is he provides principles. And so that's what we want to look at a little bit this morning. But here are some questions to consider, especially as it relates to COVID-19, vaccination, mask. I mean, all of these things that we are dealing with on a moment-by-moment basis How should we conduct ourselves when our interpretation of God's will for us on issues that are not directly addressed in the word of God, how do we deal with that when it conflicts with the views of another believer? That's a a good question. And I'll tell you this, that, that over the years, believers have got worse and worse knowing how to fight with each other in a good way. We... I mean, you, you slightly disagree with the believer on an issue, and they, and they will ratchet that up to DEFCON 5. I mean, it's like, it's, I mean, they're like one inch from hitting the nuclear button on you. And it's like, we were just disagreeing on how we were going to school our kids. Why are you about to nuke me? Why am I about to nuke you? Why, like, why do I feel this intensity over a subject that the scriptures don't even address. It's a non-essential area. Why am I acting like my understanding should be your understanding to the point that if you disagree with me, I'm gonna blow you to smithereens? And that is how many believers react in these areas of non-essentials. Again, non-essential being they're not in the Bible. There's not a specific addressment. What's our responsibilities uh, to others when they disagree with our understanding of this issue or any non-essential issue. What is a non-essential issue? That's kind of funny. Who gets to determine it? You know, I'm, I'm calling COVID vaccination and mask wearing a non-essential. And there may be someone out there going, wait a minute, no, that is essential, right? So who gets, who's the one that gets to decide? Well, hopefully my definition is a working definition. If it's not directed, directly addressed in the Bible, I'd say that's non-essential. 
as it relates to scriptural responsibility. But who gets to decide? And if we do disagree on non-essentials, here's the million-dollar question for me as a pastor. Can we still have unity in the church? You know, if our church, if I literally took a line straight down the middle here, I split you guys into two groups, and we said this 50% believed that it was God's will that you should be vaccinated. This 50% believed it was God's will that you remain unvaccinated. Could we still move forward in ministry at this church, evangelizing the lost, discipling the saved? Could we do it? Well, the Bible says not only can you do it, but we should do it. That these are things that should not divide us and distract us from what is the big picture. What is the main idea for the church of Jesus Christ? We will see as we study this morning that right and wrong on non-essentials has largely to do with your understanding, your own understanding of the issue, and your attitude before the Lord and with other people. That's where right and wrong is going to stand. You know where we try to make right and wrong? Where do you stand on the issue? We try to make the issue the issue, and our attitude toward the issue is the issue. You see, that's the, that's the distinction. That's from, from God's perspective, divine perspective, 30,000-foot perspective. It's not about being right or wrong on the issue, because as we're going to see, that on non-essentials, you can go either way. And hold your tomatoes on that one. But you can go either way on those decisions. The question becomes before God Almighty, who sees your heart, your mind, your words, the things you think, all that stuff, he's going to be more concerned with what's going on under the hood of your car than what's being shown externally to the world. How do you respond to the Lord? How do you respond to others? More important than where you stand on the issue. And and you know what's so ironic What do we focus on when someone disagrees with us? The issue. We want to convert them to the issue. We want to convert them to our understanding of the issue because our understanding is always right. And anyone that disagrees with me is always wrong. I used to know a pastor. He said, yeah, he's like, hey, you can disagree with me if you want to. And you can be wrong. And that was kind of his, his, his attitude about anyone that disagreed with them. That if you disagree with me, you're wrong. And you know, how often, and I'm not going to ask for a raise of hand. I mean, part of this is like confessional time for some of us, right? It's like, how many of us have actually felt this way during this whole process? That if someone disagreed with me on this issue, they're wrong. They are wrong. We're going to look at how Paul addresses this in the book of Romans. By the way, what we want to look at this morning, although we're kind of tailoring it to COVID-19, vaccination, masks, all these kind of things that are right in the forefront. You know how many, how many things are non-essential uh, in our day that divide Christians? Let me just name a couple. Do you drink or not drink? Now, clearly the scriptural mandates don't get drunk. I mean, we, I think we can all agree that's the line. But do you even touch it? Do you avoid it? How do you school your kids? Now, I've been in churches where like, public school kids over here, private school, homeschoolers, and, and they never the twain shall meet. You know, they don't cross, cross over because, you know, those public schoolers, I mean, speaking of vaccinations, what kind of diseases do they have? You know, I mean, it's kind of the, the attitude of some people 
and different communities. So there are lots of ways that the truths that we're going to look at today can be applied across the board in a lot of these areas. And so where the scriptural line is drawn in the sand, let's dig it deeper. Let's put spray paint on the line. I'm all for that. When the, when the word of God speaks, we shut up. We just quiet down. But where the word of God speaks, maybe we should be, the word of God doesn't speak, maybe we should also be slow to speak. (laughs) Maybe we should also be slow to draw a line in the sand. And that's kind of, I think, the encouragement this morning. And so what we're going to see is Paul doesn't chastise either side for holding the view that they hold, but rather for each side's either judgment or ridicule of the other side. Again, the issue was their attitude and their approach to the issue. That was the issue Paul was most concerned with. So with that introduction, let's go to Romans 14, if you're not already there. Romans 14. And Paul actually deals with this whole topic of non-essentials because there was something going on in the Roman world, in the Roman church specifically, that he needed to address in these areas of non-essentials. So we can pick up principles here. And you know, the goal this morning, by the way, to vaccinate or not to vaccinate, I'm not going to tell you. None of the elders in this church are going to tell you what to do. In fact, that's going to be the antithesis of what we're going to study and learn about this morning. You're not coming to church to be told what to do. You're coming to church to be equipped with biblical principles so that you can make that decision as unto the Lord. That's the summary of the sermon. If you want to go to sleep now, you have, you won't, you'll still be able to talk about it at lunch. You know what it's about, right? So we're going to get into, the, into much more detail here, but understand this, that a great summary of Romans 14, uh, in context, the strong are not to despise the weak, the weak are not to judge the strong in areas of non-essentials. And what do we mean by strong and weak? Well, the text would bear out. We're not going to develop that this morning. If you, you want a, a more thorough handling of Romans 14, you can go back on our YouTube channel and, and look. We spend multiple weeks going through the whole chapter. But the strong in this context are the doctrinally strong, the ones who understand doctrine, understand their freedoms in Christ. The weak in this context are, are people that are not doctrinally strong. We're going to see that in the text this morning, even as we read through. But understand this. That, that this, this is kind of where the COVID application breaks down because we've got doctrinally strong believers on both sides of this issue. We got doctrinally weak believers on both sides of this issue of COVID vaccination. So it's not clear cut as it was in, in Paul's day in terms of the issue that he's dealing with. And so as we work through, we're really going to just cover five verses this morning, verses one through five. And there are really four commands that govern this section four commands, and we're going to derive four principles from those commands. That's the goal of the message. What are those four commands? Well, verse one, receive one who is weak in the faith. faith. Verse three has got two commands. Do not despise one who disagrees with you, and do not judge one who disagrees with you. And then finally, the fourth command is found in verse five, be fully convinced in your own mind. So those are the four commands we're going to look at. And then as we go, we're going to derive some principles from those commands. Very first one, verse one, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. The word receive means to take into addition or to receive somebody into your company. The idea is that it's, you're receiving somebody into fellowship, 
right? We get really good when someone disagrees with us. What ends up happening? Stiff arm. Stiff arm off right tackle, stiff arm off left tackle, stiff arm up the middle. We just avoid the people. We keep them away from us. We stop dealing with them. We go through the right door when they go through the left door. We go through the left door when they come through the right door. We get really good at avoiding people. What's the first command? Just because someone disagrees with you on non-essentials, it doesn't mean it should disrupt your fellowship. You should be able to talk through these issues with believers who disagree with you and still have fellowship with them. This is the first command. Notice it's a present tense command. It indicates that something needed to be done immediately. They're not to wait. They're not to think about it. They're not to say, well, maybe if I feel like it in two months, I may wake up and bump out of bed and do this today. No, right now, there's some urgency to it. Why would there be urgency to immediately apply this command? Because the second these kind of things fester and grow, they become divides from which you can never recover. And you know, it's interesting. As you go back to the book of Proverbs, I, I'm not going to quote the verse well because I should have looked at it before. But remember the Proverbs says there's six things that the Lord hates. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. Remember the very last one on that list? is someone who sows discord among brethren. God hates division in the body of Christ over something as, as Paul is going to be addressing meat, eating meat or eating vegetables, observing days, not observing days. And may I add to the list to bring it up to date, COVID vaccination and mask wearing. These are non-essentials, not directly addressed in the scriptures. Now, additionally, we see that this command is in the middle voice. And that, what that means is that when I take this action, I will also receive benefit from it. It's, a, it's got a reflexive element to it. I'm going to benefit from even taking this. So if I had take this mindset, I'm going to respond to this command. I'm going to receive somebody into fellowship that I know I disagree with on non-essentials. Guess what? I'll be the better off for it too. I'm actually going to benefit from that. And this is what he's saying here. So who are they to receive to themselves? Well, the text tells us what? One who's weak in the faith. What do we mean by this? Well, it implies somebody who has a lack of understanding of God's word. It understand, it's somebody that has a lack of understanding of the truth contained therein, especially as it relates to the Christian life, how to live it out practically. You know, we talk about wisdom all the time. Wisdom is what? Taking biblical knowledge and knowing how to apply it. Do we need wisdom in the age of COVID? Do we need wisdom in order to take scriptural biblical truth that doesn't address COVID directly and know how to apply that in our daily life? Yes, we need it big time. We need that big time, especially if we're interested in living a life that brings honor and glory to the Lord. This is something we think about. This is something you think about probably on a daily basis. And so this person in Paul's day was weak in the faith. They didn't have understanding. And he's saying, look, if somebody doesn't get it, they don't understand biblical principles, still receive them in. And I will say this, that I wonder out loud how many believers are more impacted by what's going on on Fox News than they are the Word of God. And I wonder how many believers are impacted more about what's going on on CNN and MSNBC and NBC and any other news source that you want to throw in there than the Word of God. You know, if I were to take that reasoning... Then, then really what we're doing is we are living life in the fear 
of Fox News. Not that we're afraid of Fox News, but we are taking their opinion into consideration for everything that I do, and then I'm moving out and making that decision. Last time I checked my Bible, and maybe you got the version with first hesitations in it, but we're not to walk in the fear of Fox News or CNN or NBC. We're to walk in the fear of who? The Lord. We're to be taking his word into consideration. This, this right here ain't fake news. This is the real deal, right? And we're to be taking him into consideration as we make decisions. That's what we're going to see kind of borne out here. I, I love the way, um, uh, let me pull up this verse. There, there is a caveat on this command. He says, do not receive them to disputes over doubtful things. And if you read that, like I did the first time, like what in the world does that mean? right? How does that even fit? What is he talking about? I love the way the Amplified Bible puts it because it says it this way. As for the one whose faith is weak, accept him into your fellowship, but not for the purpose of quarreling over his opinions. You know what they basically said? Receive him with the right attitude. Because I, even as we hear that command this morning, our wheels are turning. Well, maybe I could receive them in the fellowship because they'll give me more opportunity to change their mind on this issue. You see, Paul's smart. He knows where, we're, he knows where we naturally go. He said, don't receive them to then argue and to correct their thinking on this issue. Receive them, just enjoy them into fellowship. And we can do that when people, um, people have a different opinion than we do on non-essentials. Here's the thing I think we have to realize in non-essentials. The goal is not to get everybody to agree with you. Your, your Facebook page is not a form to get everybody in the world to agree with you. Your Twitter, your Instagram, I mean, you throw all your social media stuff. It's not your form to get everybody to agree with you. That's not the end goal. If that is your end goal for engaging in any of these topics, you're just starting on the wrong path. That's not even the end goal. The end goal in mind is fellowship, fellowship with other believers, taking the grace that we learn about, that we talk about, that we embrace for ourselves, that we love, that we wouldn't go one more day on this earth without, and learning how to extend that grace to other people that disagree with you. Wow. And you know what? If a church did that, you know what people would say? Wow, how they love each other over there. That's exactly what was said about the first century church, how they love each other, how they can disagree and still love each other, how they can disagree and still have fellowship with one another, how they can disagree and still be in unity going forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how it can happen. But we've got to start, we've got to understand this principle. You know, today it's COVID vaccine. Tomorrow it's going to be the way you school your kids. The next day it's, uh, it's going to be how you give birth, how you raise your children, what clothes you wear, all these non-essential things. We're going to, it's just going to, we're just going to be like the, the, the human uh, pinball machine. Whatever the culture wants to bounce us, whatever way, we'll be bounced because that's how we live our life. We just react in these non-essentials. And so the first biblical principle I want to share, the goal in non-essentials is fellowship, not conformity. We are not designed to be a, uh, just a monotony of thought. <laughs> That's not the goal of the local church of Jesus Christ, is to get everybody in here that thinks the exact same way. And I think some churches underlying think that's the goal. We want to get everyone out of here that doesn't think that way. 
You know, I, I say this jokingly, but I, you know, I actually have friends that are Democrats. And they're believers. And I'm joking. Some of you might be Democrats. I'm totally, I'm totally joking. But, you know, it's like when you say stuff like that in the South, it's like our cultural, scriptural, we don't know where culture stops and scripture begins. You understand? And, it, and there are some things here that we need to understand. Fellowship is the goal, not conformity. Now, context matters because in verse 2, we actually get the context of the passage. One believes he may eat all things, uh, but he is weak, eats only vegetables. So this is a real-life example of a non-essential where Paul was addressing in Rome. Obviously, a especially sensitive situation in a polytheistic world where, where large amounts of the meat that were available in the market had been dedicated to idols. And so it was violating some believers' consciences. They said, I, if it's dedicated to idols, I'm not going to eat it. I'll just eat vegetables. Other believers said, I don't care if it's dedicated to idols. It's, God created the meat, so I'm going to eat it. I like meat. I like bacon, whatever. You know, it's like, I'm going to put it down. And, and then what would happen is the people that were eating the vegetables, convinced that they themselves could not eat meat, they started looking at other believers and saying, look at that guy over there. He's eating meat. What a carnal believer. What an unspiritual believer. Wow, I can't believe he's eating meat. And eating meat or not eating meat was not the issue. That wasn't the issue at all. And then you had believers over there gorging on meat because they're comfortable knowing that meat was created and that the Lord had put that together. And they're looking over at the people eating vegetables and they're like, look at those legalistic believers. They don't understand the word of God. They're so legalistic. I can't even stand legalists. We're not even, you know what? I can't even have them over to my house because I got to put all the meat away forget it. I'm not even going to do anything with them. So you kind of see the issue there. And need I say anything about the COVID vaccination? I mean, it's dividing. (laughs) It divides people for this very reason. And that kind of leads into verse three, because we have two do not commands. Let him, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. So we see despise and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. We see the word judge for God has received them. And so both of these commands, just kind of two comments on both of these commands, and then we'll take them one at a time. They're both what we call present active imperatives, okay? In other words, people are making a choice. We need to make a choice not to do this. That's the active voice. Present tense indicates immediacy. Again, Paul wants his readers to immediately implement this instruction. The second thing is, is because both of these present active imperatives are negated, means there's a not with them, it also can indicate that the negative action was already in progress. In other words, Paul is addressing a situation that is already running off the rails, and he's saying, this needs to stop right now. Right now, this needs to stop. This has a potential of destroying the entire church over a non-essential issue. And so Paul gives a reason for both commands. What's the reason there at the end of verse three? God has already received them, both of them. Again, it doesn't matter where you fall on the issue. It matters how you got to your decision on the issue and how you respond to others that don't agree with you on the issue. That's the issue to God, not where you land on the issue. And so we're gonna kind of bear that out a little bit more. And and just imagine that, not to to be sarcastic, but just, just imagine that the very command in verse one, right? What was the command? Receive people to yourself is something that God has already done even for the person that disagrees with you. It's not saying that God 
will. It's saying that God has received them, past tense. They're received. They're, they're in fellowship. So can you imagine that somebody that disagrees with you on the COVID vaccination, they can still be in fellowship with the Lord? Whoa. <laughs> it's a shock. Because I'm convinced if they disagree with me, they've got to be out of fellowship with the Lord, right? This is how we start working in our thinking in this way. And so let's look at the first one. Do not despise. It means to treat with scorn. It means to reject with scorn. It means to despise somebody, despise something, typically uh, on the basis that it's worthless. It's got no value. And this is exactly what I've heard people say. You know, I've actually heard unvaccinated people say uh, to vaccinated people or, or more, more often than not about them. Because again, we're, we're pretty unbiblical in the way we even approach other people. We like to talk about them. We don't like to talk to them. It's typically how that works, unfortunately. But I've heard them say, why are they so fearful? Why won't they just trust God? They can trust God for eternal life, but they can't trust God for a, a disease. You have a 99% survival rate. Why on earth would you get a vaccine? Anybody heard any of that? Just kind of, you don't have to raise your hand. Perhaps. Yeah, we've heard it. To me, this is the very definition of despising somebody. Their opinion's worthless. They're wrong. They're idiots. Uh, we may not go that far, but that's what we're thinking. The doctrinally strong believer in, in Paul's case, although solid in their doctrinal understanding, was weak in their exercise or application of the grace they claimed to understand. And you know, when you take the position of scorning and despising somebody else for their decision on a non-essential, you are not extending the grace that you think you understand. Maybe you do understand it. But just understanding grace does not guarantee that you will extend it in a correct way. That's where we want to be. We want to be there. And he's saying, whatever response you have to somebody that disagrees with the non-essentials, don't let it be despising them. That's definitely one response that needs to be out of your stable of responses. In fact, in their frustration with their brother's different choice, they were taking an attitude of scorn or disdain towards their brother. The second type of response that he wants us to avoid is this concept of judging. Now, judging means to, to separate, to discriminate between good and evil. It, it describes forming or giving an opinion after kind of sorting through all the facts and then making a decision. Now, I said something there that's really a falsehood in the area of non-essentials. How often in the area of non-essentials, when you're looking at somebody making a decision that disagrees with you, do you actually know all the facts? How many times do we actually know all the facts? And you know, that's what's so fascinating is because they didn't know all the facts and yet they were condemning other people that disagreed with them. And so in their lack of understanding of sound biblical principles, these believers actually passed judgment on other believers because of a different choice on a non-essential issue. Taking it the other direction, I've heard vaccinated people say things like this, do the unvaccinated people really care about anybody but themselves? How selfish. It's one little prick in their arm. Why won't they do that? Jesus told us to love our neighbors. Why won't people just get the vaccination? They're carnal. They're, they're, they're wrong. They're, they're sinful. And you see this condemnation coming down in an area of non-essentials. And have you also noticed too, that when somebody disagrees with us on non-essentials, 
Have you noticed just our natural tendency to begin to impugn their motives, to start criticizing their motives? So the reason that this person doesn't get vaccinated is because they don't care about anybody else. How do you know that? How do we know that that's their motive? I mean, do we have a video when they wake up in a bed and they're like, oh, yes, I hope I can contract COVID and give it to somebody today because I just want to see damage. And just... I mean, how do we, that's my question. How do we know people's motives? How do we, how do we understand? We, we're, we're putting ourselves into a position that we're not qualified for. And, and by the way, what we're going to see is why should we not do these two things? The reason why is because God's received them. God is in fellowship with these believers. God has taken them to himself regardless of where they land on the issue of non-essentials. And so very important to understand. So again, why should believers have a proper attitude toward one another? Because God himself, who by the way, has everything right and knows what's wrong and knows who's doing it the right way, who's not doing it the right way. Guess what? He understands what sin is. He understands what sin is not. And if he has received them, we, we should be comfortable with that. That's why this is a motivation. And so it kind of brings us to our second principle on non-essentials. God is more concerned with our attitudes toward others who disagree with us than our stance on non-essentials. And so many times, what do we make it about? Who's on my side? That's the godly side. That's the right side. Everyone else on the wrong, other side is wrong and sinful. And it's not that simple. It's not that simple as we're going to see. In fact, what does he say in verse four? Basically, who do you think you are? Who are you to judge another person's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. Basically, when we talk about the servant's own master, the the master's the one who judges if the servant's faithful, not another servant. That makes absolutely no sense. When we put that in practical terms, what a great verse by the apostle Paul. What a great argument. Like, who are you to judge another servant? You, go in, you roll into somebody's house and they've got someone working for them and you start telling them, no, 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 don't set it up this way, set it up this way. You would never do that. You would never go in and insert yourself. And yet we do that in the church of Jesus Christ all the time on non-essentials, all the time. As if we are God's gift to, to judging and, and controlling the church in all these areas. It's, it's incredible the way that this works out. And so he says, who are you to judge? And, and again, this is why it's very unwise, out of place for believers to start passing judgment. Believers pass judgment all the time. What blows me away is the confidence with which believers pass judgment. That's what blows me away. Just knowing beyond a reasonable shadow of a doubt that they are always right and they are evaluating the situation correctly. And you know, I think the third principle comes in here. Only God's evaluation of another's decision regarding non-essentials is accurate. You may think you have all the information. You may think you have the right assessment. You may think you have all these things together and that your judgment is right. Rest assured, there's one person that does have it all right, and it might not be you. It could be you. You might be in line with God's judgment. I don't know, in a certain situation. But understand that it might not be you. That's... We want to come away with is a little humility. I could be wrong on my judgment here of this person, of their decision, of this issue even. Have you ever changed? Has any of us ever changed our mind on an issue in our entire lifetime? Yes, you have. 
And I see some four-year-olds shaking their head, no, but you will one day. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) We change all the time. We change all the time. But how do you know this won't be an issue that you'll change your mind about two years from now? How do you know? That's all I'm saying. Just take that into consideration as you're sorting through these things in your daily life. And then finally, I want to look at this, verse 5. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. There's our fourth command. And he mentions actually another area of non-essential liberty in the Roman church. It's this observance of special days. And so here's our fourth command. Be fully convinced. It's, it's a command to, to allow whatever view that you hold to persuade you completely, to give you full assurance. This is a personal thing between you and the Lord, not the anchor on Fox News or CNN. This is between you and the Lord. You want to be fully persuaded on any non-essential issue. Notice again, he doesn't command one side to fully persuade the other to come to their side. That's not Paul's goal on non-essentials. I, 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 Paul had an opinion on this. He was not even trying to win people to his opinion on this because he saw it was a non-essential. He didn't want people violating their conscience. He wanted them to make decisions, learn how to make decisions based on biblical principles as they walked with the Lord. That's what he wanted. That's what we want for each one of you as well. And every believer that you know, you should want that for. And so he commands them to be fully persuaded in their own mind. Now he clarifies what this means as we go a couple of verses further in the text. He repeats this phrase, as unto the Lord. Let's read it together. I'm gonna pull it up on the screen. Romans 14, six through eight. I just want you to notice how many times he uses this phrase, to the Lord or unto the Lord. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, forgives God thanks. He who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die, excuse me, to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And so you see the desired response. Be persuaded personally, individually. Respond as you do to the Lord. Don't respond to this study or this person or this individual in your life. Don't just get it because so-and-so got it. Don't just not get it because so-and-so is against it. Each one of us is individually required and designed to make this decision on on our own as unto the Lord. That means we need to engage our thinking apparatus. This means we may need to research, but whatever decision you make, it needs to be an intentional, active decision as unto the Lord. That's the goal. That's the understanding as we come out of here. Again, notice that Paul does not minimize one's decision. You know, he's not saying it either way, it doesn't matter. Oh, who cares? Just do whatever you want. No, he's saying be intentional about the decision you make as unto the Lord. Because what's important is how you get to the decision, not where you fall on the decision. The process is important more so than the end result and where you line up. So it's very important for each believer, each believer in this room to think through non-essentials, including vaccination, masks, I mean, all these things that are going on in our world and make decisions as unto the Lord. Fourth principle is simply this. Each believer should be fully persuaded before the Lord in whatever decision they make on non-essentials. And so the the point is this. How do you make a decision on the vaccination? Read the word of God. 
pray about it, do your research, and then as you gather those things, you make the best decision you can as unto the Lord. You are, we're walking by faith. This is a non-essential. And then just guard your attitude toward other people that disagree with you. That's a real a subtle slope to fall into sin and bitterness. And so let's close there with a word of prayer. Lord, I do thank you for your word. Probably like most people, Lord, I, these are issues that we wish you would have spoken clearly on or directly to, but obviously you've left us your word with, with principles that we can take and apply. So just give us wisdom, Lord. We, we, need to, we need to know how this applies in each one of our lives. We want to make decisions. We want to respond to others in ways that glorify and honor you. So just give us wisdom to know how to do that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.